I think we can all agree that drinking and driving is uh, not something that uh, people should be doing, and we know better. But Joseph Newberger joins us on the line right now. He's 640 Toronto legal analyst. And uh, we're going to highlight the upcoming changes to the impaired driving laws, which will kick into effect on Tuesday, a week from tomorrow, December the 18th. Joseph, welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Kelly. Now, one of the biggest changes to the um, the laws as far as impaired driving goes, which we're going to see, is police can now, as of the 18th, pull you over and ask for a breathalyzer without reasonable suspicion that you are actually drinking and driving. That's correct. So any officer who lawfully pulls over a driver under the Highway Traffic Act, and there is a section that allows police to pull over and detain an individual for the purposes of determining sobriety, will now be able to demand a roadside test without any evidence whatsoever. So there doesn't need to be any evidentiary basis for the sample. Do you think this is going to be challenged in court? I do. Unfortunately, I think this was an unnecessary amendment to appease the public maybe because of the uh, laws related to uh, cannabis and Generally, the threshold for an officer to achieve reasonable suspicion is fairly low. It's like straddling a baseboard. All they need to have is an odor of alcohol, an admission of consumption, um, some other indicia. It's it's rare that an officer with somebody who has been drinking would not be able to reach the threshold of uh, reasonable suspicion. And so there is not uh, there is no constitutional protection. There's no Uh, legal basis now for an officer to demand a body sample. So I am absolutely sure, as these cases come forward, that there will be constitutional challenges to that section. In the meantime, though, uh, this is fairly intimidating. If you refuse to provide a breath sample, you could be uh, subject to a a minimum fine of $2,000. Yeah, you'll be charged immediately with refused roadside without any evidence that, in fact, you had been drinking. And it's a a minimum fine of $2,000. So and a criminal conviction, which is significant now because if you're a permanent resident, that could result in removal from the country. And who knows what's going on with the U.S. border may mean you can't travel to the United States. So these are very, very significant implications that people have to take into consideration, even though drinking and driving is a very significant issue that doesn't seem to be curbed right now. In their um, press release, they said research suggests that up to 50% of drivers with blood alcohol concentration above the legal limit are not detected at roadside check stops. Is that the, Do you think uh, that's the reason that they're actually putting this in place, uh, this mandatory breathalyzer, or does it have something to do with the fact that we actually don't have a proper, a proper sobriety test for drug testing yet? You know, I I don't know where that stat comes from, because how do you determine a negative? So if 50% are not detected at the roadside stop, how do you know that unless that results in a charge later on? So the basis of whatever study they're looking at, I think, is is suspect. I think, more importantly, we are looking at a change in law and regulation for two reasons. One, legitimately, drinking and driving is not going away. In fact, stats are showing that there's still a high rate of charges we just saw over this weekend. I think in York region, it was reported seven or eight individuals charged just over a weekend. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do believe that this is in relation to the impaired driving by drug. And you're absolutely right that there is an insufficient basis now to detect the presence of the drug or its uh, its effect on somebody's sobriety. So this is a bit of bait and switch, in my opinion. 
Bill, uh, C-46 brings in new higher uh, mandatory minimum fines. I'm actually fine with that. I think, you yeah. know, if we have to hit people in, in, you know, where it hurts in the wallet, that that's OK. So if you are a first time offender with a blood alcohol concentration of uh, 80 to 119 milligrams per 100 milligrams of blood, you're subject to the current mandatory fine of uh, $1,000. Uh, and then it will go up to uh, $2,000 as a, as a minimum fine i believe um but there's something that the york region police are planning on doing that i wanted to ask you about they are planning on naming and shaming they are actually going to start to um post on their website the people who were charged with drinking and driving uh, offenses over the uh the course of well the first one they did was over this weekend what do you think of that well, I'm never in favor of uh, public shaming. I think it, it doesn't have the impact anyone would, would think it, is, it does. I think it's unsightly. That being said, police do press releases in other cases, so it's not uncommon for a press release to occur in a sexual assault case or, or something of more notoriety. So it doesn't preclude them from doing a press release with respect to a number of individuals charged over a weekend for impaired driving. But I have to say, from a, a privacy standpoint, People are innocent until proven guilty. We have a rule of law. And by doing a press release and naming and shaming, I think it's—I don't think it will have an impact on deterrence. It's just an unfortunate, um, I think, display that it's not good for individuals overall or, or I think our society. Joseph, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure.